Cahill Summers. And I'm Deirdre Lenn. Your Chagas Sustainability Advisors. And you're welcome to the Chagas Environment Edge podcast number 31, bringing you the latest information, science and opinion to improve farm sustainability. The Environment Protection Agency is responsible for protecting and improving the environment in Ireland. This is done through providing environmental data, assessments and evidence to inform decisions and policy. Catchment scientist Eva Mochler joins us to chat about water quality and the tools the EPA Catchment Science and Management Unit are developing to help us make improvements. Eva, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks, Carl. Thanks, Deirdre. I suppose, can we start off, just tell us a bit about what you do in the EPA? Yeah, I'm in the EPA's water programme, where we're working to build science and evidence to improve water quality. At the moment, over half our waters are not meeting their targets, and the main issue is excess nutrients getting into water, often from wastewater industry discharges or being lost from farmland. My role is catchment scientist in the EPA's catchment unit, and I lead the development of nutrient data analytics and models, including the pit maps, uh, to assess the impacts of pressures on our water. So essentially, I combine people's data with water quality information to make graphs and maps and then give these back to support their conversations, whether that be government departments discussing policy decisions or between a farmer and an advisor about nutrient management planning. Eva, um, with the development of catchment management support tools that you've just been sort of elaborating on there, um, they can be seen by farmers and also by advisors as telling stories with data, which are maps and analytics. Can you talk us through the process um, of PIP maps, how they're developed, and a little bit about the Pathway Project? Yeah, the Pathways Project was a large EPA-funded research project that I did my PhD with. It finished up around 2014. And the output of the project was describing two contrasting stories of how phosphorus and nitrogen move through the landscape and end up in rivers and estuaries. For phosphorus, the losses can come from many sources, including wastewater treatment plants, runoff from towns and cities, food processing plants and agriculture. For diffuse losses from farms, typically areas with poorly draining heavy soils and a lot of overland flow are high risk for phosphorus loss. Less intensive farms can just as easily have these losses as it only takes a small amount of phosphorus to get washed off to cause a problem in a stream. And the actions to prevent that are to intercept runoff, break the pathway with buns or buffer zones, for example. The the Pathways Project also described the nitrogen story. We know nitrogen in our waterways comes mainly from farms on freely draining soils, where excess chemical fertilizer, animal manure and urine can leach down into the groundwater and then into our rivers and estuaries. On the well-drained soils, more highly stocked farms do tend to have higher losses of nitrogen. The action to take here is to minimise losses from critical source areas. Those are the hotspots where slippy nitrogen is most likely to leak down past the root zone. So if you use the right fertiliser at the right rate, the right place at the right time, and plants take up the end efficiently, you've less to lose. And we can see the impacts of um, changes in farm management within a few months, um, like we did with the increased nitrogen use in the drought of 2018, um, caused higher losses that winter and into early 2019. So the good news is that improvements in nitrogen management should come through as reduced nitrogen loss to water within a year. So back to the Pathways Project, to develop the catchment management support tools, the team applied this understanding of phosphorus and nitrogen from the study catchments to develop models for all Irish catchments. 
And we had two very different styles um, being developed at the same time. The first were detailed models simulating water and nutrients changes every hour at catchment outlets. This is telling us how rainfall event pushes water and nutrients through the landscape along the surface and deeper beneath the ground till it gets to the river. That model has continued to be used in research projects to investigate, for example, ecosystem services and climate change impacts. The second type of decision support tool was a map-based tool to give ballpark estimates of how nitrogen and phosphorus losses for a typical year anyway in Ireland. And that was the first version of the pollution impact potential maps or the PIP maps for short. So rather than looking in detail at a particular point on a river to compare say January versus June concentrations. With these maps, you can stand at any river or stream in Ireland and get a feel for which upstream fields might have nutrient loss hotspots. Now, the PIP maps only indicate a potential risk, and they're not saying there's a problem with pollution if you have a high risk ranking in your fields. But where your local water quality is not meeting its targets or monitoring data indicates there's an issue with your local water body, they can guide you to the areas that it's most likely to come from. And so we're nearly a decade on after that project and we're on version three of the PIP maps. And I'd say from the point of view of farmers and advisors, that's been the more useful tool to help pinpoint critical source areas on farm. And a PIP map, I suppose, is that the pollution impact potential maps is the name that, I suppose the big name, but it, it's become PIP maps to all of us. It's a really useful tool. Actually, I was on a farm recently and you talked about nitrogen a second ago. We call it the maverick element because it's so tricky to handle, but the farmer summed it up really well. He, he said it, it's a bit like a bar of soap. You can hold it, but it can slip through your hands very quickly. So uh, the pit maps are great to explain those theories. But I suppose, can you tell me the pit maps? Where does the information come from? Um, how, how, do you, how do you generate that or, or, or where, do, where do you get all the, the background information to develop those models? Yeah, I mean, I'd say there's uh, a lot of information out there to support all different kinds of modeling. So for the nutrient modeling in the PIP maps, there's three main types used. The first is water quality monitoring data, mainly from the EPA's National Monitoring Program. And that's essential to help develop our understanding and to test out the tools. And next up are the national hydrogeological maps and data, such as average rainfall, landscape elevation and contours, soil drainage, subsoil permeability and bedrock type. These are an excellent resource and most are available to view on the Geological Survey of Ireland and EPA websites. So we combine these data to show the natural or inherent properties of the landscape. The key maps there are the nitrogen and phosphorus susceptibility maps. And we call them susceptibility because they tell us how susceptible the land is to losing nitrogen or phosphorus. So I can come back to those. But first, the third type of information, I think, uh, for nutrient modeling for these PIP maps really is the data on nutrient sources from people and animals available for each year. So for um, general uh, nutrient source modeling, we'd use annual reports on over a thousand wastewater treatment plants there up on the EPA website. We can estimate where septic tanks are based on house locations. And the Department of Agriculture have, of course, the stocking data for 130,000 farms and for over a million uh, land parcels we've crop descriptions updated every year by farmers. So we can combine all of this information then on the sources of nutrients with the susceptibility maps and um, to see where nutrients and waters are coming from to produce those pip maps 
And then we also have a tool called SLAM for short that generates the estimates of any source of nutrients for all of our catchments. Uh, is, the, is the PIPMAP, sir, uh, is that just an Irish thing or is that across the world or Europe? Or... They're just Irish, yeah. We developed them here to suit our data sets, our catchments, our settings and, and, and our needs. There's um, versions, uh, different countries would have uh, different uh, catchment management tools. The, the tools really want to be targeted at the end user, what they need. Um, so, you know, we'd have unique systems, farming systems here, for example, that would make these an important tool for our farmers. Aoife, you're constantly developing and updating um, your models. And I know with the pit maps, we in particular look at movement of nutrients. We look at critical source areas, potential areas for movement into our hydrological connections. Um, have you and any further developments or updates coming up? We're currently using um, pit maps. Are there any new updates coming up in the near future? Well, they continue to, to be developed and maybe I can tell you a bit about how the, the, the current versions got um, to where it is as a starting point um, to give you a feel then for how we'll continue to look into, you know, ongoing developments with it and really using all the research that's out there and, and linking with partners in Chagask and elsewhere um, to look at it. So. The situation at the moment, say starting with the phosphorus maps, I mentioned those susceptibility maps combine um, for phosphorus, it's the soil drainage, the depth to bedrock, and there's a map of a likelihood of uh, land drains. And that's a good example where uh, we've developed recently that to incorporate excellent new remote sensing data from Chagas. And there's still um, improvements there that we'll be looking to make in the next version. The tool also includes annual rainfall left after evapotranspiration and the proportion of that water that will recharge to groundwater. So these combine to describe how water moves through the landscape in three dimensions and the potential for phosphorus to be lost with that water. So for the current version of the map, that susceptibility map is combined with the information from the Department of Agriculture the 2018 farm um, and parcel data from Ames and Lippis to generate the seven PIP-P risk ranks for phosphorus loss. So that's the national map with all of the pasture and arable land parcels colored from dark blue uh, for high risk through to light yellow for low risk. So as it's a national map, and as we say, it's still in development, um, and you can view it for a single farm. Farmers and advisors need to use their knowledge to interpret these maps. And particularly where the 2018 returns to the Department of Agriculture are no longer representative of the farm or parcel activities. That information is four years old now. Um, or if the soil drainage from the national data isn't what's on the ground, you can use your local knowledge instead. And as we say, we'll continue to take in the latest research and try and uh, refine the maps to be more useful on the ground. But a big change um, in the latest release is the focus delivery flow path map that layers on top of the original critical source areas. So this is generated from a large elevation data set on a five meter grid for the entire country. And it predicts how the runoff progressively increases and converges downslope. And the red flow paths have the highest surface runoff. These are also um, highlighted with red delivery points to highlight where the high risk delivery paths enter a stream or a river. 
again, there's a number of pointers here for how to interpret um, these maps to keep uh, in mind. A major one is that land drainage isn't included in the flow path map. Um, the drains are modeled in the PIP-P map, but they're not included at all in the flow path map. So again, we can listen to feedback and see if that's where we want to improve um, or advance the model for the next time. But at the moment, you need to think of the flow path map like a susceptibility map. It doesn't have any farm management data, which is actually good as then it won't go out of date so quickly. But um, if you see the high risk um, red flow path on a wet field and you've got, a, you know, there's effective land drains, those drains can interrupt the flow and you can have a good idea that the water is actually flowing somewhere underground. And similarly, the flow paths don't include any existing measures like enhanced buffer zones, as we don't know where the measures have already gone in. So it's important to consider the available sources of phosphorus in these high flow paths um, when deciding whether to target measures. So you can do that by turning on the map underneath and checking for coinciding critical source areas. And so where the areas cross the dark blue areas, the higher phosphorus losses are expected. And these can also help with sediment and microbial pathogens in MCPA. Um, and all of these maps are available on catchment.ie. When you click on the maps, you can go there right now and have a look at your farm. And do um, I'd encourage people to feed back to us then how they use that. And that's what we'll use to direct uh, what we focus on changes for the next version. Yeah, we use them daily. We find them very, very good. And the farmers actually find them a fantastic visual aid once they're sort of accustomed to looking at them, reading them and looking at catchments.ie, which is another brilliant resource. Some things to keep in mind, though, when you are, are looking at them as well. So I gave some info there for the phosphorus ones, but there's a few things with the nitrogen maps um, that are worth keeping in mind, too. Um, so with the nitrogen maps, you don't have to worry about the surface flow pathways because it goes down through the groundwater. So Again, that map, you know, we've got the susceptibility map there as the starting point. It's similar to the phosphorus one, but instead includes subsoil permeability and bedrock from the Geological Survey of Ireland to indicate where denitrification in, in groundwater will occur. So we've linked the farm uh, stocking data then to a Chagas model, N-Cycle Ireland, and that calculates uh, how nitrogen cycles through the animals and soils and can tell us what nitrogen is leached. And again, there's lots of work ongoing in that space and uh, lots more to do. And um, so the final PIP and map combines the leach then with the nitrate susceptibility map. And that's where you get that um, map with the dark purple areas highlighting the, the highest risks. But when you're interpreting that map, keep in mind that uh, you know, again, it's it's just an estimate. And um, one major thing is that the grazing platform is not in there. Instead, grazing is assumed to be across all pasture parcels on the farm. And um, the excretion calculations just use the annual values from the previous gap breaks, 85 kilos per livestock unit. So farmers and advisors, again, can use their knowledge to make the national map based on 2018 farm data work for them in 2022. And with the cost of fertilizer so high, I think the main takeaway is, you know, consider your multi-species wards, try to maximize nitrogen uptake and minimize your end leaching in the critical source areas. Just as you said, Eva, 
the, this is all available to any member of the public, farmers, whoever they want to go on to catchments.ie website. And what I really like about the website is you can put in an air code and it'll bring you right to your door. You can look at your own land. You can look and see if it's nitrate susceptible or phosphorus susceptible. Lots of information. You can even zoom in and see the, the local quality on, on your rivers. So that it's a really good resource. But I suppose the next question I'll ask is, have we come to the stage now where we're, we're realizing we have to come to a more targeted approach to solve our water quality issues rather than the, I suppose the blanket approach that we used for the last 20 years and maybe have have we wasted time in the past on trying to solve all problems in all places and now we realize that's not the case. There's a real move now to getting the right measure in the right place and a benefit of that is that you want your actions to have outcomes um, so I think the move now towards uh, focusing on what's the problem in, in your area and what actions can you take uh, to make improvements to your water quality is the way to go. Um, so I, I think that message now is really coming across and coming through uh, in water management and in uh, the work that you guys are doing as well in, in the farm advisory service. Yeah, I think it's really beneficial and Deirdre mentioned when you throw up a pit map onto the bonnet of a car and a farm and you, see, you have the data there, you know the river, there's no maybe nitrogen in the river, you know the land is heavy land, the pit maps is telling you that. So you can say to the farmer, look, your issue here is not nitrogen, we're going to concentrate on phosphorus and you can really zone in and, and target the issue and the farmers appreciate it's not wasting their time that we, we actually, you know, we're, we're focusing in rather than trying to, you know, spend all, be all things to everybody. Yeah, farmers have a lot of spinning plates to maintain and they know their farms best. So I hope the maps can fit in as a time saver to give a common language to help farmers and advisors identify the critical source areas and the focused delivery flow paths and get the right measure in the right place. The majority of farmers have some nitrogen or phosphorus critical source areas. And in fact, a lucky 40,000 farmers have both nitrogen and phosphorus hotspots and that really shows yeah that really shows the variability of soils on farms you know i think yourself and the catchment sciences management unit are doing marvelous work there and certainly the pollution impact potential maps is a massively brilliant resource for us as advisors but also for farmers to just look and see what's gone on their farm and really enjoyed the chat today thank you very much for your time that's it for this episode of the Chagas Confirmant Edge podcast. Thanks to Dr. Eva Mokler, catchment scientist with EPA, working in the catchment science and management unit. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify. For more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Cahill Summers. And I'm Georgia Glenn. Join us next time for the Chagas Environment Edge podcast, signpost to farm sustainability.